What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The ship here. Sounds good. Let's go for it in three, two. Well, happy holidays. We get ready for the Christmas weekend. Good to be back on the Sports Media Watch podcast. I am TJ Reeves. Dr. John Lewis with me from SportsMediaWatch.com, the purveyor, the owner, the operator. Good to be back with you. You've uh, been making a list, checking it twice, trying to find out if I've been naughty, you've been nice. I'm just playing on all the words. How are you for another week? Good to be back with you. I'm doing well. Just getting by. Haven't gotten the tree yet. Wait a minute. We are like T-minus days away, depending on when they're hearing the podcast. And we do not have a tree as of yet. You do not have the standard artificial tree that we've had in the Reeves household for two decades? No artificial? Well, we ordered a a real tree. It did it did arrive today. Uh, it was supposed okay. to be seven foot five, and it was six feet. And uh, it's not a big deal, but you know, you paid for a tree that was seven. Are seven you trying five. to return said tree yes. days before the big one? Yeah, it's going to get. So this up. is requiring somebody to come back and pick it up. And yeah. presumably on that return visit, are they bringing you the other tree in the same visit? Uh, allegedly. I'm, I've ordered an, a, an artificial tree to be delivered tomorrow. So. Okay. So this is a cliffhanger. Stay yeah. tuned. Uh, John may make a social media post with pictures for verification here yeah. on the tree. Uh, I did put on my social media that Santa Grande has made his appearance in front of mm. the Reeves household, which, again, we have an inflatable Santa that usually would be at, like, for example, a used car dealership or uh, an apartment leasing office or something. He's a huge Santa, is my point. He's up in the front yard. He did make an appearance this week. Uh, so for those that are uh, late decorators, John and I are members of the club. Uh, we just uh, we just let you know. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa, Festivus for the rest of us, yeah. and anything else that uh, might be covered for this week. We've got a lot to go over from the World Cup to the NFL. 
uh, and everything else in between NBA about to play on yeah. Christmas Day before we're back. we got a lot to go over. Thank you for finding us, however you've done so. Social media link, John's uh, SportsMediaWatch.com website. Uh, make sure you're following or subscribing. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You'll get this podcast automatically. Yeah. Everything that's on the feed. For example, uh, we had a, a fascinating interview uh, with Patrick Crakes, of, uh, formerly of Fox Sports, now one of the top media consultants in and around television ratings. Great conversation that's on this podcast feed a couple of uh, podcasts ago. We also put up as its own conversation Rachel Bachman of the Wall Street Journal talking about uh, women's sports, in particular women's volleyball, talking about the WNBA, Brittany Griner, John. Yeah. They can hear those conversations in their entirety separately if they're on the podcast feed, right? So we make it convenient for them. We make it easy for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of the good content. I know uh, George Offman is taking a little hiatus for a couple of weeks here. New season of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know with kind of the Chicago tinge to sports media members and personalities and ex-athletes and coaches that have a Chicago tie. That show will return in January. Stand by for that. George has kind of been in the best of mode. And then Mike and Phil with the Announcer Schedules podcast will still have a new episode later this week. Look for that on the podcast feed with all the announcing that's going on this weekend. They do a great job of covering who's calling the game in the booth, primarily on TV, but maybe national radio. They have great guests. Announcer Schedules podcast also on this podcast feed, all in one spot. There you go with the disclaimers. Let's get into the topics and the subjects. When we left last week, we were wondering about the World Cup final. At the time, you and I did not know if it was France or Morocco to be playing Argentina. Yeah, that true. game was played the next day. France won, so the defending champs were playing Argentina. Argentina won a thrilling. You don't even have to be a soccer fan. It was a thrilling, exciting World Cup yeah. final. Many in the soccer community, John, are saying that's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, modern World Cup final ever with the drama, the extra time, the penalty kicks, goals being scored, Messi being one of the great players in the game the last 50 years involved, and he's scoring goals and making penalty kicks. Amazing drama. All right, so, John, your thoughts, and then give us some uh, context on the ratings for Fox and the conclusion of their World Cup coverage, if you would, please. Well, it was certainly a dramatic uh, final. Uh, I think I've said on this podcast before, I'm not a particularly big soccer guy. I think I've seen more NBA developmental league games in my life than World Cup matches. And, uh, you know, but what look, did you call them? The low gators, the who low yeah, gators, the, the North Charleston low gators. You knew more the about the low, low, North Charleston low gators than you did necessarily about Argentina's matchup with France. And you're not too proud to admit that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I just never got into soccer. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, it was an entertaining match. It was very well played. Uh, great uh, defense. Uh, there were a lot. I mean, it, you know, it's the first time I've ever really watched a soccer match and been interested in what was going on. I'll be honest about that. Um, you know, uh, I never got into the USMNT or the USWNT, you know. So for me, that was the most exciting soccer match I've seen. Now mm. the sample size is pretty low for me, but I, I, it was the first time I've watched soccer and, you know, like raised my eyebrow at a play. Like, oh, that was pretty good. And that's I've for watched. Me, a, I will you tell know. you. I will. I don't mean to sidetrack you, but I will tell you, having right. watched a bunch of World Cup and a bunch of World Cup finals, that was by far. By far, I mean, there have been dramatic ones. The best played, especially yeah. second half all the way through to the dramatic conclusion of their regulation time, dramatic with two goals in the extra time because it looked like Argentina was going to win it on a goal, 
And then France able to tie it on a penalty kick. Now we're going to the actual penalty kick shootout to end it. That hour and a half was as crazy, good, dramatic as they have had in a World Cup final in decades. And that's me saying that with some level to add to you of having watched a bunch of these. It was that good. Continue on, including with the ratings. Yeah, no, it was it was a very well played match. If even I could tell that it was a well played match, then that says it all, right? Uh, given my lack of of soccer uh, uh, soccer viewership, and people tuned in 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 very large numbers. We still have not seen the match window necessarily. Uh, I was able to via a source see the viewership that from the ten a.m. to the end. So that I believe is the match window. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Fox will determine is the match window. But assuming that it's 10 a.m., which is when the match started, to the end, uh, then you're looking at about 24 million just on linear TV alone. Wow. 27 million if you include the streaming. But, you know, let's just keep it at linear, right? I mean, or to put it another way, let's just keep it at what Nielsen is putting out there and not include Adobe Analytics and all this other stuff. On a Nielsen basis from 10 a.m. to the end of the match, 24 million viewers, right? 17.9 million on Fox, 7 million or 6.1 million on Telemundo. And so 24 million, that would put it just behind the Spain-Netherlands final in 2010. The uh, Germany-Argentina final in 2014 was at 27 million. Women's World Cup final in 15 was 27 million. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's it's lower than those, but given the time slot, given the time of year, given the era we're in in TV, uh, you know, you're not going to see a game seven of the World Series isn't going to get 24 million viewers anymore. Game seven of the NBA finals isn't going to do that. Uh, you know, uh, we saw UNC play Duke in the final four. It didn't get 24 million. Granted, it was on cable, but even on CBS, it was going to get 24 million. So there's not a ton of sporting events that are going to get you to that point. A tremendous number and a tremendous audience for soccer in this country, even on the Fox only basis. That number from 10 a.m. onward. When are you going to get another World Series game of 17 million viewers? When is that going to happen? Even if the Yankees get in there. Right. The only, you know, I mean, again, you're only you're only going to get 17 million for a World Series game again in the game seven or for the NBA in a game seven. You know, uh, I mean, it's just a different time. So 17 million viewers at 10 a.m., you know, Fox Fox News Sunday isn't getting that kind of audience. Right. If it was Chris Wallace. It's and, still- and we should mention here uh, the obvious. First of all, for a lot of people, most of the country that's watching is obviously in the central and eastern time zone. We know that. So that's a 9 a.m. central start. But I mean, if you're in the mountain time zone and that was eight o'clock in the morning, how many people were awake on Sunday morning and watching the first half of the game before the real drama started, much less the Pacific time zone? That is tough. So that that only emphasizes now it's almost like I'm a tool for Fox here, like a PR tool. But that that emphasizes even more how well they did with that number. Like, for example, you're giving the uh, the women's World Cup number being that massive in 2015, that was a nighttime. Yeah, sure was. And if I'm not mistaken, it was in Canada. If I'm not mistaken, it was a Sunday night as yep. well in the summer. So that's not apples to apples on Sunday morning no. where part of the country is not even awake really no. as of yet to have done to have done that well. So they've, they've got to be thrilled with how yeah. it turned out. What else? What else uh, comes to mind for you on this as we wrap it up? with the uh, the Fox coverage and the drama of it? Well, you know, uh, it was uh, so compared to the NFL, right? Uh, the NFL, uh, it, on a combined basis, 
the the match had more viewers than any NFL window. The Fox only audience is a bit different, but if you're combining Fox and Telemundo, beat every NFL game that day. Uh, you know, on an NFL Sunday, the World Cup was the most watched event. That's not too bad. Granted, you get to combine the numbers with right. the World Cup. We know that between Fox and CBS, there were more viewers watching in that 1 p.m. window overall. But still, you know, tremendous in the demographics. The World Cup uh, was the top event. Uh, even just the Fox-only audience, including the pre-match in the demos, dominated all the NFL games. Uh, all of them, 5.7 and 18 to 49, beat uh, beat them all in, in 18 to 34 with a 4.66. In fact, I'm actually tempted to take a look and see how many NFL games this season have had a higher rating in 18 to 34. Uh, let me see if I can uh, quickly pull that up. I'll share with the audience again, John is amazing at rattling this off, but you're now actually looking at something. So many times when he's rattling this off for the audience on the podcast, he's doing it off the cuff. And from what you go, you're a savant with this stuff. I love yeah. that about you. I always have for the uh, year and a half plus that we've been doing this. So were you able to locate other times where the NFL approached that uh, World Cup final number 18 to 34? Yeah, it has happened a few times this season, but it's only been uh, it's only been 10 times this season that the NFL has had a higher rating in that demo, uh, including uh, the three Thanksgiving games. So if you take that out, just an ordinary NFL Sunday. It's only happened seven times. And, you know, look, I mean, that still shows you the domination of the NFL. But, you know, I mean, uh, it's it's still pretty impressive. And the other thing, too, the NFL in, uh, in, the, in that morning time slot, granted, they're not putting their best games on and they're on NFL Network. But in that morning time slot, you know, we're not seeing the NFL get 24 million viewers. They're Correct. getting... Five million. For... That Buccaneer, we went over it, but it refreshed me. The Buccaneer Seahawks game, I think, was the highest rated one. It was on the NFL network from Germany in November. I was there doing Buccaneers radio. Yep. But what did it get? Like 10 million, maybe? I don't even know if it got that many, uh, to it, your no, point, no, to be that even, early. Yeah, it was 5.6 million. There so you go. So not even, and, it, and again, that's apples to apples on yeah. that was a 9.30 Eastern time start in the morning again yeah. half the country is still basically asleep yeah. a lot of the country is still asleep um trying to trying to get that out this was interesting and i was in communication with you as that game dragged into extra time or their version yeah. of overtime which again i was with my 14 year old twins watching this and they were asking me okay what what happens is it sudden death like hockey is it uh, they, the soccer? They call it golden goal. John, is it golden goal here? No, this was not golden goal. This was 30 minutes of what they call extra time or overtime. Yep. Score as many times as you can for either team. So you were guaranteed that the game was going to go like another 35 minutes. It's not like a walk-off Stanley Cup final goal that ends the game right then and there. And so as this got closer to 1240 Eastern time, 1245 Eastern time, extra time is ended. We're headed to the penalty kicks. I'm in communication with the Dr. John Lewis saying, what is the contingency? If we get to the top of the hour where the Cowboys are about to kick off with the Jaguars, the Eagles are kicking off with the Chicago bears in Chicago, both on Fox. Are we going to have that on Fox sports one, which John, they were simulcasting the world cup on Fox sports one. I kept wondering, are we going to get there where these kickoffs are going to happen on FS1 cable? So follow up on that point. Well, I have no idea what was going to happen. Um, you know, Fox never said what their contingency plan was. And so we'll be, they, they never have to tell anybody because, you know, even if it was at all, 
if there was any contingency where the NFL was going to get bumped to FS1, the NFL doesn't want people to know that. And I don't want, I don't think FIFA wants anyone to know if the contingency was for the World Cup to get bumped to FS1. Right. Like, nobody really wants to, you know, like a, a couple of years ago, uh, and all the muck and mire of, of, of what went on with the Masters in November, that report came out, well, if the Masters goes to X whatever, XYZ, and runs into the NFL, the Masters is off CBS, it'll go to ABC. Probably not the greatest piece of news for Augusta National, you know, kind of. It's a, it's a so bad they had spot. worked out a deal to have it on ABC or to yeah. have, I, th- I would have thought it would have gone to the golf channel uh, well, maybe I mean, but ABC then again that's cable is, yeah. that's cable yeah, exactly. and you would have been losing your audience there too but exactly. you're right they were trying to fulfill that on an NFL Sunday right. and if I'm not mistaken CBS did not have early games so they were doing no. this for the 4:30 the 4 4:30 Eastern time window yeah. and there was still you know a chance amazing? they could have a sudden death playoff it was yeah. realistic that that might have happened where you're trying yeah. to bump into nfl games yeah well i was just gonna say it's kind of amazing to think how long the covid thing went on a couple of years ago because the nfl actually built in the masters in november into its schedule all right. the way back because when the nfl put its schedule out in may everything had already you know gone uh south uh, uh, everywhere. So mm-hmm. the NFL actually built into their schedule in uh, the 20 season that CBS would not have any one o'clock games. It wasn't some kind of flex at the last minute. It was the way it was from the very beginning. And so uh, it didn't work out that way. And I'm sure Augusta National would have loved if nobody had ever found out about that contingency plan because it's it's bad PR, right? Now, nobody wants to look like they they have to get out of the way of of the other event so uh we'll never know probably i mean who knows you know orand or marshawn might you know uh, dig that up or something uh rudy martsky you know uh who richard dyche well, yes, richard dyche as well. might find it john yeah. lewis might find it you might have a source that tells you what would yeah, happen there. i've got a couple of fox sources too really that i might have to tap into and just ask was the intent to play the kickoffs or the first part of the Cowboy game and the Eagle Bear game on Fox Sports 1 had this gone any longer? Because, again, on the timeline, the penalty kicks were over with literally, John, about 12.56 Eastern time, about yeah. five to six minutes before the kickoffs. So Argentina's running around celebrating on the field, hugging you know, they're showing the fans crying in the stands and jumping up and down, waving the Argentina flags and celebrating. And then you have Rob Stone awkwardly saying the rest of the celebration and the trophy presentation will be on Fox Sports 1. We're headed to the kickoffs of the Fox NFL Sunday's game, Sunday games after this commercial timeout. And they ran yeah. commercials because they had not been running commercials during the, uh, I think they ran them right before the penalty kicks. Yeah. They ran a few commercials, but... They ran commercials, and we went right to you're on the air. In our market in Tampa Bay, we got the um, Eagles and the Bears on the local Fox affiliate, and Joe Davis just welcomed you right up, right uh, away yeah. normally, didn't acknowledge the World Cup win by Argentina. He said, we're ready to go at Soldier Field for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Chicago Bears with the Eagles with the best record in the NFL, yeah. and here we go with the kickoff, and we're underway. I don't know how the Cowboy game opened, if there was any acknowledgement, and somebody can let us know, John, if there was any acknowledgement. I know you have been watching the Argentina win the World Cup, but now here we are in Jacksonville for the Cowboys and the Jacksonville Jaguars. But that's at least how they came on the air for Chicago and Philadelphia in that uh, that context. So 
There we go. Uh, there we go on that. It's certainly odd and different. Hey, one more on this. You've talked about this before. Yeah. Do you think this will make, is this an aberration? Or do you think this will make FIFA and Fox think again about doing this in a fall at some point if they can? And, and that Fox will be interested for the lead-in to NFL football? Because clearly while they didn't get to do their pregame show, Fox NFL Sunday, good Lord, 16, 18, 20 million people yeah. leading into the NFL is a really good thing audience-wise that people are going to leave the TV on like Patrick Craig's was talking about with us, John. People will leave the TV on. What's your opinion on have we seen this one and one time only, one and one time only? Yeah. Or what do you we think? We have. It's, I mean, you know, ratings in the United States are not everything. And so you have to consider the complete inconvenience of interrupting all of the other club seasons, Premier League, all those other things. And, you know, those are huge events all over uh, all over the world. Uh, beyond the business aspect, you're also talking about the physical aspect. I mean, you, this is basically what we see uh, every now and again, the WNBA, their Olympic break. You know, you have to kind of come back after a month off half the, you know, half your roster has been in the, in the Olympics. The other half of your roster has been sitting around watching TV for a month. Right. I mean, presumably working out probably, but you know, I mean, it's like, it's not ideal and to have to do that in the middle of the premier league, all the other events, Serie A, uh, you know, uh, Bundesliga. Bundesliga. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. I mean, it's, it's a huge inconvenience and uh, I don't, I, I, you know, yeah, it was it, the ratings were good, but the other thing too is what happened Sunday was a little bit too close to the edge for Fox, and I think they'd prefer, uh, as nice as all of this was, instead of having a really, really huge November, why not just have a really, really good November and also a really good June and July too, you know? Because in Fox went in June and July, I mean, they went a long time between any solid audiences at all. All they had was baseball. I'm talking not just sports, but period. Right. You know, so I think they'd be very happy to have the World Cup occupying that dead period when they don't have anything else. And forgive me, I don't have it in front of me, but 26, where is it? And is it in a realistic time zone again for the summertime where it helps Fox in that regard? Because, again, these matches were all morning time or right around 2 Eastern time that they were being played during the day, during the week. So that's different. But what about it for 26? Yeah, it's in Azerbaijan coming up in 2026. So that's wow. going to be, I'm, I'm kidding. It's in the United States, actually. It's, oh, wait a uh, minute. We got it for then, right? And it's spread yes. out everywhere. Yeah, North America. It's uh, Azerbaijan. You know, very nice. Yeah. You United didn't go States, Iceland. Canada, no, no, United States, Canada, and Mexico. Uh, United States, Canada, and Mexico, not Canada. Mm -hmm. But uh, you get the idea. Uh, so it'll be a huge, I mean, they gave the United States that World Cup as a makeup to Fox for having it in Qatar. Everybody thought Qatar was going to be a disaster. And so not having it in Qatar uh, and not just not having it in Qatar, but having it in the U.S., it was a love letter to Fox. And they even gave the rights to Fox without putting them out for bid. So. All right. Good enough on that. Let's stick with the NFL while we're here uh, for a moment or two. So they played on uh, with those games and with the ratings. Obviously, I was involved, oh my Lord, and we'll talk more about this a little bit later on, about the aftermath of the Buccaneers' meltdown loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. I do have to keep saying, the defending AFC champion Bengals, who were in the Super Bowl a year ago, and in the second half, they played like the Bengals. It was the bumbling Bucks for a lot of it, but then the Bengals took advantage of it. All right, that game on CBS scored strongly. It ended up, I mean, relative, right? It scored 21-plus million. I think I saw CBS put that out there, right? So give me a little more context because that was the primary national game mm -hmm. 
on uh, on CBS? Well, I mean, it uh, it did. I mean, it you know, look, it, it did well. Um, was it was it one of the best numbers of the season? No, uh, it it did well enough, but you know. I mean, the reality is I do get the sense there's a little bit of fatigue with the Buccaneers who are not that good of a team. Uh, and, uh, you know, just having Brady on the schedule doesn't mean a lot if his team is not one sure. that you actually want to watch, especially, you know, it's not even like it's Brady and the Patriots. You know, there, there there's no hate with the Buccaneers. Brady's there and people may hate Brady, but people don't. They don't hate the Buccaneers, right? They're largely indifferent, right? Yeah, to exactly. the Bucs as a team, right. right? You know, this isn't like LeBron going to the Lakers where people already hated the Lakers and people already hated LeBron. Sure. So it was like perfect, right? But nobody really feels that strongly about the Bucs. And so if they're not going to be any good, uh, you know, it's, you know, but it wasn't a bad number. It just was kind of middling, the kind of number that doesn't really, you know, it's just kind of there understood. And then, and so that kind of leads And by the way, we had the same thing with Monday night where you on yeah. paper had Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at the beginning of the year or in the off season playing the defending Super Bowl champion Rams should be a humongous game. But by the time you got to December the 19th and the actual game, they're both bad. They're both out of it. Matt Stafford's long gone. Aaron Donald's not playing. Rodgers has been hurt. So that game, again, I don't have it in front of me, and I don't know what you have as we release the podcast here. That game couldn't have done very much in the ratings. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers or not at Lambeau. I yeah. mean, for for uh, for ESPN and for Monday Night Football, they thought they had one thing, just to the point about Brady and the Bucks, and yeah. they and they absolutely had a, you know a a what four and a nine against uh what five and eight game in that one yeah. for Monday well night. it was it was ESPN's most watched Monday night game in week 15 since 2011 but there's a huge caveat with that it was simulcast in ABC right viewership was the same as last year when Vikings Bears was simulcast in ABC so it did at least hold up well and it was also uh Manning cast on ESPN yeah. too. So you had the two, the simulcast and you right. had the se second broadcast. Yeah. As it occurs to me, I think last year might've just been ABC and ESPN with no Manning cast. So it was ABC and ESPN and ESPN to, you know, uh, throw in, you know, Disney XD, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, why not? You got to find those ESPN, the Ocho and anybody yeah. else that was maybe showing it ESPN yeah, Deportes. That freeform do it. Remember when they had freeform do the the Ravens Titans game? Freeform. What 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 smart decision making there? I know. I hey, mean, we got NCAA tournament basketball games on True TV. Well, yeah. that's been going on for yes, a decade. Yes, but True TV. I mean, like, well, actually, I was going to say True TV has other sports, but I think they just we have the National Hockey League games previously from NBC on CNBC, the Business Channel, and Golf Channel, and Golf Channel. And by the way, the Golf Channel made even less sense than CNBC. Good point. Yeah. On yes, because if you're a fan of Rory and Tiger and you know yeah. Justin Thomas, you want to see San Jose Sharks, LA Kings on the golf yeah. channel. Uh, yeah. but nonetheless, uh the Monday night game took place. So now let's get into this part of it. It's a good segue. So now you've got, and we've been talking about this, the Christmas Eve slate that yeah. has the Cowboys and the Eagles as the national standalone game on Fox in the late window, then has a uh, Sunday night is that NFL Saturday night Saturday night Christmas yeah. Eve night is that NFL network for that one it sure is and I'll tell you no one's gonna watch well you know what I don't know maybe I'm wrong but Christmas Eve is a terrible night for sports right radio. 
Don't ever see people schedule stuff for Christmas Eve. Man, nobody's going to skip midnight mass because they want to watch the Raiders take on the Steelers. If you're religious and you skip midnight mass, to I watch know, that, you're in trouble. Yeah, you'd better go do you're a whole in trouble. Of, uh, uh, but then, I mean, then again, you've got fantasy football. And as much yeah. as you don't, I mean, I'm into it just from the standpoint I'm in the playoffs in one of my big leagues. And so I, I have uh, some rooting interest because the guy that I'm playing has a Raider. I think he has Derek Carr. Fantasy football, the gamblers, obviously the AFC playoff picture. In some ways, the NFL network has lucked out with that crazy Raider finish with the Cal Stanford lateral stuff going on from New England. Are the Raiders Raiders, still in contention? They're in contention barely. The Steelers in contention barely. The winner of this game is alive barely with seven wins. So they have a bit of a storyline, but I'm with you. What's the educated guess? Will they get $10 on Christmas Eve on the NFL Network? I don't know that they will. I'm saying that. What does Dr. John Lewis think? Maybe? For one thing, I wouldn't assume that anybody wins that game. There are ties in the NFL. (laughs) Okay. But, you know, look, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to find the last Christmas Eve game. I know NFL Network had a Christmas Eve game a few years ago. I think they had one last year in primetime. At least in 2020, maybe they had one. Because they they would have had one maybe on Christmas Eve when it was on a Thursday in 20. Maybe it was Christmas Day last year on the Saturday. And then the rest of the league played on the Sunday. The 26. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of for last year. It all runs together. Yeah, it does. But I, I, you know, here it is. It's 2018. ESPN had Monday Night Football on Christmas Eve and it was 8.6 million, which is a horrible number for that package, right? That'd be a great number for NFL Network. It's a horrible number for uh, a Monday night game. And, you know, Christmas Eve, again, you know, you're, you're, you know, that's a real, that's a religious holiday, Christmas Eve. Uh, that's and certainly Christmas and, and certainly Christmas Day as well is a large one. But we've been yeah, playing well, Christmas sports Day is I mean, Christmas Day is practically secular at this point in terms of, you know, it, it, it's you get all of the religion, the, the most religious part of Christmas, Christmas to me is always Christmas Eve. I understand that. But in the Christian denomination, yeah. Sunday being Christmas Day, that that's is true. a big day yeah. for a lot of in-house attended Christmas services that will be going on leading into the three NFL games that will play Christmas Day. And so we should illuminate this again on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. This is the first time the NFL's tried this. Right. We're on a Christmas Day. They're going to have not just a game like they've done before, but they're going to have three yeah. games in standalone windows. That yeah. is Miami hosting the Packers. Miami, by the way, when we go backwards to the Christmas Eve game, Raiders-Steelers, we move forward to Packers-Dolphins, then, dear Lord, help us all for Rams and Broncos in L.A., followed by my Buccaneers. And I'm spending the weekend in Arizona with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel party. We're there for the weekend for the game with Arizona. The Miami Dolphins, John Lewis, are the only team with a winning record out of those four games. Let me say again, the Dolphins are the only one out of four games and seven other teams that have a winning record. Now, that being said, on Saturday night, you have a playoff implication, AFC wildcard. On Sunday, you have a playoff implication for the Dolphins on the wildcard. And then, obviously, Sunday night, the Buccaneers for the NFC South, you have a playoff implication, even though they have a losing record. But that's pretty amazing. When the NFL set out to do this, do you believe, just speculate with me, this may make them a little gun-shy in the future of laying that schedule out because these are not great games now that we get to December 25th. Not great matchups on paper. Thought on that real quick? 
Well, you know, the NFL has always tried to make sure it puts its best teams on big holidays. That's why the Lions are on Thanksgiving every year. Right? <laughs> Very nice. You know, I mean, look, when it comes down to it, it all depends on the ratings. And uh, we know the NFL will dominate. I think I honestly do think that Rams Broncos is such a horrible matchup that that will actually you will see that impact the numbers. Right. The NFL is strong enough. It'll get strong numbers no matter what. But there are some numbers that will be stronger than others. Rams Broncos is the start of the year. I would have thought that would be over 30 million viewers. Honestly, right. it may very well still be over 30 million, depending on just how strong the NFL is on these types of days. But, you know, I, I don't see it getting there. Last year was a much more attractive uh, Packers Browns game that had 28 million, I think maybe 23, 24 million. Just because they're such a horrible matchup. These and both of both of them had a winning record a year ago right. um, and uh, ended up being a really good game. And it, 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 you know, again, yeah, they they set out. They had the best of intentions setting out with this yeah. triple header. And again, the first game will be on Fox. Right. The second game will be on CBS, and then the the final one, the Buccaneer Cardinal game that I'm involved in, is on NBC. Sunday what I want to see is part of their, is part of their deal. So it's not like there's going to be a t- situation back to what Patrick was telling us last week, where you turn the TV on and leave it on the channel, and yeah. the second game of a double header comes on. You got to turn the channel on Sunday to CBS. Then you got to turn it again to NBC. How much of America will do that? We'll see. Yeah. And I think, you know, it is uh, what what I'm looking to see this weekend is uh, if Fox assigns Burkhart and Greg Olson to the Saturday game instead of the Sunday game, because Cowboys Eagles is such a great matchup in any other set of circumstances. There's no question. It would be the matchup that had the lead team. Uh, you know the Packers look a little bit better, but you know Packers. I mean, I mean that's not that bad of a matchup, honestly. Sure. But I, I would still, you know, I, I would, I would have Burkhart and 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 Davis or Davis, Burkhart and uh, Olson, Greg Olson, right, Davis, right, his old partner with Charles Davis. So I'd have Burkhart and Greg Olson on that Saturday game, and uh, you can give that Sunday game to Joe Davis, uh, Joe Davis, and uh, you know, Joe I'm Davis looking while we are talking. Uh, to verify who has what, it is going to be Joe Davis, Moose Johnson, Pam Oliver on Packers Dolphins. Really, for the early game, and I'm looking that I believe you that? they gave they gave Burkhart and Greg Olson and Aaron Andrews the Cowboys Eagles on Christmas Eve. That Where is correct. You see that? Where, where, I where? have that on a uh, on a listing here on Twitter. Under uh, you were mentioning Rudy Marsky earlier. He's got them all. Really? Well, so wow. uh, yeah. So so Fox again will have their number one crew on Cowboys Eagles Christmas Eve, and the whole country will see that on Fox. There's yeah. not another game on Fox. There is a game on CBS uh, for that afternoon. The NFL Network will have the foursome of Rich Eisen, Kurt Warner, Steve Mariucci, Michael Irvin on that Raider Steeler game. They worked the game in Germany for the Buccaneer win over the Seahawks together. So that foursome is back again. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson will have the game on CBS, the Broncos at the Rams, Nickelodeon, John's favorite. will have Noah Eagle, yeah. Nate Burleson and Gabrielle Nevea green uh, will be on the Nickelodeon broadcast of that Christmas afternoon game. Mike Tarico, Chris Collinsworth, Melissa Stark will have the Saturday night or the Sunday night, excuse me, Buccaneers, matchup with the Arizona Cardinals. So all of that 
for big Christmas career, Day. Big career moment for Joe Davis. Imagine the voice of the World Series, and now he'll finally get to be in front of a really big audience on Christmas Day, right? <laughs> uh, no, it's it's big. That's a big deal. Um, you know, so that'll be very interesting. Uh, that's going to be Joe Davis's. I said it before on the Vikings game he did Vikings Bills. It was his coming out party, but this is be his coming out party. You know, there'll have to be a World Series. It'll have to be the Cubs versus the Yankees, and every game goes extras to get the kind of audience. And it'll have to be Game Seven that Joe Davis is going to be uh, uh, performing in front of on Christmas Day. So that that's a big deal. Uh, I did uh, just want to quickly mention I I did watch Nickelodeon the other day. It's a rare occasion for me. Um, I was scrolling by and I saw they were showing the new Rugrats, and I, I, despite my better instincts, I tuned in and. you know, I, I just I couldn't. I haven't uh, had a reason to be on Nickelodeon. My kids were never into Nickelodeon, much more so Disney Junior and some of their programming with Mickey Mouse and, you know, the different cartoons and everything going on. And now we've progressed on to where we're watching like Survivor reruns and we love the Food Network and the Hallmark Channel with the Christmas movies has been on nonstop in my house. It's good balance, John, yeah. from the Neanderthal world of sports uh and testosterone and destroying things and sporting events that we go the other route with the hallmark christmas movies on a loop while we bake cookies and drink hot chocolate i'm just saying it's not for everybody it may not be everybody's uh females in their house but a lot of females in their house uh and then watching the ads the ads just crack you up Mm. because in the male world it's cars and beer and uh what else hair loss drugs and and you know the testosterone um targeted ads and then you know use your imagination when it's females that they're targeting and what you might see ads for over and over again in any event uh there we go with a lot of talk about the football uh for the weekend in the nfl and what might happen and that kind of segues us into something right now let's do it officially love it or leave it do we love it or leave it three nfl games simultaneous to that the nba will have a full slate john go over this and this is the first time they really have full-fledged NFL competition against all the NBA games that are going on. Let's uh, find out what America's going to love or leave here with the NBA coverage as well as the NFL. Go over that if you would. Yeah, it was only a matter of time before the NFL uh, decided to really load up against the NBA on Christmas. Uh, And, uh, you know, the NBA is going to do the best that it can to withstand the competition. All five games will air on both ESPN and ABC, which is very different. ABC has never aired more than three three Christmas games uh, in one year. So it'll be all five, you know, these are not the best matchups because LeBron is on a a, a bad team. LeBron has been on a bad team now for five straight years. They don't have Anthony Davis. I know they want a title in that mix, but they've been basically bad since LeBron got there. They had their fluky little Florida Marlins title. I'm not going to diminish it. It's a legitimate championship. I, I I'm not one of these, you know, people who diminishes it because it was in the bubble. They, they earned that title just like the Florida Marlins earned their fluky titles in 1997 and 2003. It was earned. It was nonetheless a fluke, right? So LeBron's been on a bad team for five years, Um, you know, and uh, that bad team isn't even whole because Anthony Davis can't stay on the court. Meanwhile, the Warriors, you know, really the Warriors have kind of been not a very good team for the last three or four years as well. They did win the title obviously last year, but, They've missed the playoffs two out of the last three Steph years. Steph Curry now hurt exactly. as well, headed into this Christmas exactly. Day game. And today uh, on TNT, they got uh, destroyed by the New York Knicks, lost by 39 points. 
You wow. know, so they really, uh, the Warriors are not that different than the Lakers. If we're being honest over the past couple of years, they have their title, but they've otherwise just not been that same. Kind I'm of curious game. what's against the Bronco Rams game, which again, other than the fantasy football right. people, the degenerate gamblers, I can't believe that game has a whole lot of interest on CBS. What's what's in the middle of the day from the NBA on ESPN and ABC that might do decently well relative. Bucks Celtics, and that's probably the best matchup of the day. With with Steph Curry being out, that's easily the best matchup of the day. Uh, Bucks Celtics, you have uh, you know the two best teams in the East. Uh, Giannis and the Bucks are not that great of a TV draw. That's just a fact. But the Celtics, you know, are the Celtics. It's a Finals Eastern Conference Finals preview potentially, uh, and uh, two really high quality teams. Assuming they're both healthy for that game, the ratings will be up because you have ABC and ESPN carrying all five games. The NFL competition, whatever. The NBA will be up. Last year, uh, with an average of about $4 million for the Christmas games, the lowest in, you know, in a long time, uh, it'll be up from that. Uh, I think having ABC carrying that 10-30 game will be a big deal because that 10-30 game is always the weakest uh, on Christmas. And just you know, people tuning in for their eleven o'clock news. And alone. what is that again for Sunday night That's at ten thirty? Phoenix and Denver, a game that would never be on ABC otherwise. Right. Uh, and uh, so you know, so look, the hope from ABC and ESPN is that the Buccaneer Cardinal game on NBC is awful by that time, right? And that fewer people care about it. Well, I mean, not even, a barn burner because then that game is starting right, and you'll have some some hope that some people will be there. I mean, I don't think that'll be make a big difference. The ten thirty game is the junkies. You know, the, mm-hmm. the same people who are going to miss midnight mass to watch the Raiders and the Steelers are the ones who are going to watch a ten thirty p.m. NBA game on Christmas, right? You have to really love the league to tune into that ten thirty game, and so you'll have that audience. You'll also have just the rising tide of being on broadcast TV. Like I mentioned before, people tuning in for their eleven o'clock news that will make a difference. We've seen it before, like with the NHL. You know, you get to that eleven o'clock. It always peaks at 11 o'clock. There's a reason why these things peak right around that time, right? So, you know, uh, I think that'll help. And again, the bar is really low for that 1030 game. Okay, so there's Christmas Day covered. Let's continue another subject. Love it or leave it. This is interesting. Back to the World Cup coverage. Somebody raised this. It may have been Richard Deitch and, and a couple of others that brought this up. So for Fox in the future, whereas the women's national team has constantly been in the semifinal or the championship and winning the World Cup. So when you put former women's players that have played in that on the set that are Americans, they can speak to that. A criticism, because again, it bears repeating and emphasizing we've been inept at getting to the semifinals for the men's World Cup, much less the championship game or much less winning it. So the criticism of having, in this case, and they're, look, they're not bad analysts, but Alexi Lawless, Landon Donovan, who I like hearing from, and even Clint Dempsey being added to the coverage. Those are prominent Americans that have played in the World Cup, but they can't tell us anything about playing in a semifinal or playing in a championship right. game. They have no perspective on that from having done it as a player. The suggestion would be to bring in an English-speaking member of one of the countries that's in the semifinal or the championship game to give perspective on, I played in a semifinal, I played in a championship game, here's what it's like, here's what's going through your mind, give perspective on those teams, love it or leave it. John, do you like that suggestion? I'm not saying Fox will give it five seconds thought uh, to do it, but what do you think of that suggestion, love it or leave it? 
Well, I mean, I don't really like the idea behind it, the logic behind it, because then we're getting into that whole, well, you never played the game kind of thing. You know, you don't have to have been in a final to comment on it. You don't have to have advanced, you know, I mean, some of the best analysts, you know, uh, how many Super Bowls did Tony Romo play in? Tony Romo has ever only ever been to the Super Bowl as a fan or as a CBS employee. True. You know, I mean, but, but believe me, I, I, I want to hear it from Troy Aikman, who played in them and it was a while ago and won them. I want to hear him now. You can make the argument about Chris Collinsworth not having won it, but he played in two Super Bowls for ABC. So then we go to Greg Olson now in this instance. He played in a Super Bowl with the Carolina Panthers. Romo would be the Romo would be the accepted. It wasn't Olsen. Olsen was in the 2015 Super Bowl. With the oh, man, I was thinking yes. about the Jake DeLone Panthers. I forgot. Well, right now, he doesn't go back that far. You're correct. But the Carolina uh, 15 in one year, he was the tight yeah. end and he played in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl on that. Um, and again, uh, help me, Jeff Van Gundy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as the coach of the NBA finals, Mark, Mark Jackson. Mark the following year, Mark yeah. Jackson, yes, in the finals. Yeah, the okay, ninety-nine. So, Gundy, so you're getting you're Jackson. getting that perspective because they've been there. I I want to hear from Nick Faldo, who's now retired, mm-hmm. uh, in the booth because he won the Masters, he won the British Open. We're just kind of going down the list, um, same kind of way. Eddie Olchick played in the Stanley Cup. That's I think true. Eddie Olchick won the Stanley Cup. Love hearing him. Okay, so anyway, I'm just saying. As a suggestion, you kind of dismiss that out of hand as yeah. we don't have to ha- we don't have to have played in a World Cup semifinal or a World Cup championship, huh? No, I don't think so. You know, I mean, to me, you just have to be a good analyst. You know, uh, I mean, the reality is, if the if this if the standard is just making it there in the big four sports, pretty much everyone makes it there. Richard Jefferson made it there to two NBA finals. You know, <laughs> I mean, and that's no, di- you know, that's no. Uh, diss of Richard Jefferson, but you know you don't really think of him. Get oh wait, Richard Jefferson won a title. Oh my goodness, I forgot he right. was on the Cavs with LeBron. So he's been there a whole bunch of times. JJ Redick made a finals, believe it or not, right with Orlando a million years ago. Making it to the finals is actually pretty easy. Uh, well, not easy, but you know, like a lot of these guys have done it. Soccer is different. It's every four years, you know, uh, for the World Cup. I mean, just because they never made a semifinal of the World Cup, maybe they made, you know, I mean, I don't really know much about their careers. Maybe they made it to a Gold Cup final. Maybe they made it to a Copa America final. Maybe they made it to, you know, uh, or maybe they won the Premier League. Uh, they obviously don't have a playoffs. Well, certainly, let me give you a context. Landon Donovan scored the dramatic goal that won them the round of 16 game and got them into the final eight that one year in the 2010s that they got there. He can definitely relate that. So I'm not saying they can't relate to dramatic moments, big wins, big moments. Alexi Lawless was part of the 94 team that advanced to the round of 16 and really rejuvenated soccer, helped kick off MLS right after it in 94 with it being in the United States. They can relate those kind of things. But again, for Donovan Lawless, for Clint Dempsey, for anybody else in the United States, never, never, ever can we relate to being in a semifinal for the men or the championship match. They can't tell us what it's like. To go through that. That's that's all I'm saying. Just a I guess. minor thing. You know, but I mean, like to me, I mean, it is tough because I, as I reel off every single top tier analyst, they've all been there or one. Mm-hmm. John Smoltz has been there and won. That's correct. You know, uh, Ron Darling has been there and won. That's Jack correct. Mark Jackson, Reggie Miller. They may not have won, but they made it to the finals. Stan Van Gundy made it to the finals. Uh, you know, uh, old chick you mentioned. I I don't have, I have no Barkley, idea. Barkley, Kenny Smith, Shaq, all in the finals in the studio show. 
Ray yeah. Ferraro, I have no idea about. Uh, I don't think Ferraro career. made it to the Stanley Cup, but we'll look that up from ESPN. Maybe the only one. I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure he has said on the air that he never made it to the Cup. I don't know if he said that he never won it or won never. It. Right, it. right. But uh, I, I don't think he ever even made it, but he was on Carolina, so he did. He was on that Carolina team, wasn't he? Or was he broadcasting at that point? I'll just do the easy thing. Just go to Wikipedia. I'm going. I'm going to Google right now. Let's see if I beat you to it on whether uh, Ray oh, Ferraro yeah. Stanley he, Cup he, run never in the Stanley Cup final. That he I was. See. He wasn't on Carolina. He was on Hartford. He was the on old Hartford Whalers. Good yeah. lord, we're going deep in the weeds now. Yeah, uh, he's but been retired since '02. He's been in. Uh, he's been retired 20 years. '02. How about that? And he's a solid analyst. And I'm not yeah. knocking him. I'm just saying that for guys that have been there, they can relate it a little better. We we spend a lot of time talking about it. So you gave your opinion. Right. You can sound off. You can bash me. You can tell John how right he is. Sound off there at sportsmediawatch.com on the site, on commenting. What there, about someone like Vitas Carolitis? You know, the late, great Vitas Carolitis. Mm-hmm. He never won, right? I mean, my Correct. understanding is that he was kind of a lovable loser. But I love, I've love i loved McEnroe forever because he can relate to Wimbledon and having won it or the U.S. Open having won it. Now, it is interesting. McEnroe never won the French Open, never won the Australian Open. He only won two of the four majors on trying to, to relate to this. So, yeah. And there's I mean, others. I mean, Mary Jo Fernandez, I don't believe, ever won a major. She may have played no, in, in she finals. Was, she was just very good, but she wasn't. She played great. in finals probably of majors a couple times. So I, She might have gotten there. She might have gotten there. But, you know, in tennis, it's pretty much just Mary You got Chris, uh, Chris Everett. I don't think Mary Carrillo ever won anything. I, I don't think Correct. she did. Pam Shriver did. Doubles, doubles, doubles with Martina. Right. Right, right, right. So we've done well with the analysts. Patrick, Patrick didn't win anything. I'm, I'm pretty right. sure Patrick never won anything. So that's a little bit different in tennis, for sure. Good point on that. Let's move on. We've got another one. Love it or leave it. So this is interesting. It is making the rounds all over the place uh, in the post-game aftermath of the Buccaneers' meltdown loss where they were up 17-0 on the Cincinnati Bengals Sunday night. We've already been talking about CBS was showing it all over the country. It's no secret I am part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneer radio broadcast, so therefore I am slanted, I'm compromised, I'm biased, I want the Bucs to win every week. They blew it. John, it made for a, wow, a really tough locker room and post-game show when you lose that kind of game. They're teetering on the brink of maybe winning the division and making the playoffs, maybe not. All right, so I'll give you some insight from this standpoint. I've been in those locker rooms now for 18 years, and they are tough, and you got to know how to handle people, have relationships with them for my job because I'm doing live interviews as a team employee Uh, and talking to these players and having a relationship. And it's also new and odd because this is the first year that we're welcomed back in the locker room. After two Mm -hmm. years under the COVID restrictions, we haven't been allowed in the locker room. They were bringing players outside the locker room and then we're socially distanced. They're standing in front of a mic stand or you saw them standing on the field on a mic stand away from reporters. So in, in any event, it's different this year in that regard. So what is making the rounds on the internet Tuesday into Tuesday night, and you're probably seeing more about this as the week is going on, is that backup Buccaneer running back Giovanni Bernard, a former Cincinnati Bengal, by the way, was involved in a botched fake punt attempt in the second half of the game. Now, I will say for context, that didn't cost the Buccaneers the game. It was early in the second half. John, the game was 17-3. to That play didn't cost the Buccaneers the game. Still, it was a significant momentum turning play subsequently tom brady had four different turnovers two interceptions two fumbles and the Bengals took advantage and won the game so we're in the locker room doing the interviews and it is quiet and it is scarce on who's talking and who's available 
I'm doing an interview with another player, with an offensive lineman, and I can see the media standing around and near Giovanni Bernard. They want to ask him about the botched fake punt. So I, I can verify from having been there, they were standing and waiting for more than a couple of minutes while he finished getting dressed, finished packing his backpack, and then he attempted to walk out without answering the questions. Okay, here's where we pick up what's on the internet and everywhere. You have reporters that are now around him. I will name names. The reporters are Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, Greg Allman, who's recently hired now by Fox Sports as an NFL reporter. He's been with The Athletic previously. Greg has also covered the Buccaneers previously for the Tampa Bay Times. He's been on the Buccaneer beat over 15 years. Rick Stroud's been on the Buccaneer beat for over 25 years. Jenna Lane of ESPN and ESPN.com has been on the Buccaneer beat for a decade. These are not inexperienced, novice, local Yahoo radio people, local yokels that don't know what they're doing. They want to ask Giovanni Bernard about the botch fake punt. So I'm getting to the love it or leave it. What, what has been blown up everywhere is Bernard trying to walk past them and them wanting him to stop to ask him the question. So on the audio that's out there, this is out there for everybody to hear. I believe it's out of line for Jenna and for Greg Allman to be saying, you've been hurt all year. That's why we haven't been talking to you. That's the truth. He's been a player that's been hurt. What Rick Stroud adds as the Tampa Bay Times beat writer, you're involved in one of the more significant plays of the game. We just want to ask you about it, is what he's saying to Bernard. So Bernard uh, is saying, I just want to go be with my family. And the reporters are saying, you can't answer the question for us. We just want to ask you the question about it. So eventually he does stand there. He's big enough to stand there. He answers. All right. So, John, I've just laid it out for you and for the audience here on Love It or Leave It before we're done. The media has a job to do. Where do you come down on what I've just described with a player who's trying to get out when he knows the media clearly wants to talk to him about a negative play in a bad loss, in a collapse? What do you want to say about all of that on the Love It or Leave It? Well, you know, look, everyone's just trying to do their job. The reality of the matter is, you know, look, uh, the Henry Chadwick days are over, right? Uh, and the days when media members, you know, were really needed are not here anymore. And mm -hmm. if sports had developed differently in its infancy as as the attraction that it is today... I don't think the media would really have the kind of influence that it does. There's no other place. You know, when Marco Rubio falls flat on his face in a debate against Chris Christie, of all people, okay, when Chris Christie shows up Marco Rubio, Marco doesn't have to go at the end of the debate and face questions from reporters in the locker room as he's changing <laughs> out of his suit, right? Very you know, true. I mean, it's, it's an absurdity. There's no other place that where, the, where this happens. When Hillary Clinton has one of the worst presidential losses ever. People aren't hounding her in the woods near her home where she right. went the day after. With right? microphones and cameras exactly. and how did this happen? And you think about every single actor who fails. Will Smith, Will Smith gets to go and talk to PR people, aka the host of the Daily Show. He gets to go on the Daily Show and get, you know, a lovely PR, whatever. Bluff. Exactly. Uh, you know, he doesn't have to in the, you know, after the Oscars have reporters asking him critical questions, sports 
It's the only place where this happens. Athletes are the only people who are held accountable for anything. And they're not even really held accountable for anything, but mm -hmm. they're the only ones. All right. You know, I mean, it's it's I mean, Donald Trump went his entire administration doing like two or three press conferences for the entire time. You know right. what I mean? And I mean, like every single game, athletes have to go out and you know, be held accountable. And it's all because from the beginning, the media helped grow this enterprise, right? You know, every, people just kind of assume that sports just, you know, burst out, totally popular. There was a lot of PR that had to be done. There were a lot of people, whether you're talking about, you know, Grantland Rice or Henry Chadwick or whoever at the outset who are promoting sports. It was this, you know, a symbiotic relationship, right? Well, and bear in mind, at the time you're talking about uh, sports writing, newspapers in particular were the way to find out what had happened in the yeah. game, because a lot of times there was no TV, hard as yeah. this is to fathom, much less the Internet. And a lot of times, if you didn't hear the live radio, you didn't know what happened. You were reading about it after the fact, yeah. and they were giving you context by having talked to the players. Now, what's also interesting uh, is in the time period, let's say, of the 30s and the 40s, while we go way back, and now, now maybe I could be a guest in your class and talk about this, a lot of the media members were almost like PR people for the players. Yeah. They would go and socialize with the players. Forget about the line of integrity and journalism and don't cross that line. They were socializing, drinking, having meals, and they were almost there protecting players. The media in and around Babe Ruth protected him over his drinking, his yeah. womanizing. Oh, yeah. They never wrote about it. They never yeah. covered it. So there was a time period where the media was much more valuable, to your point, but they were much more in favor of covering things for the players, being good to the players, and not so much right. outing them on their misdeeds or their screw-ups yeah. on the field or off the field. That dynamic began to change, but it truly was a different time of sports writing, journalism, and covering things, 30s, 40s, 50s, yeah. when you didn't really have TV. And, and you know, I'm, I'm when I talk about Henry Chadwick and Grantland Rice, Grantland Rice was, what, the teens and the 20s, and right. Henry Chadwick was the 19th century. You know, I mean, we're talking, there was no radio. Yes. Uh, that was the only way that you could you could, could even hear about the game other than physically going there. You know, and so all of that is it's it's this ancestral relationship that doesn't really play anymore because now athletes have, I mean, maybe not Gio Bernard. I, I don't, I'm not too familiar with him. I imagine he's a bit of an older player, perhaps. He is. And a veteran, he's about a so nine or ten year veteran at least. Probably not on probably not on TikTok. And he's not and he's not somebody he was part of the Super Bowl win a couple right. of years ago, but he's not somebody that has made very much of a contribution the last two right. years. He says back to the reporters in the clip, you guys haven't talked to me all year long. And that's where the pushback comes exactly. on. You've been hurt all year. There, right. There's not a, been a reason to talk to you. Yeah. And so, again, I will say I, I have respect for everybody having to do this job. Yeah. There's a certain way to do it. I am compromised. I am biased. I work for the team. I'm in a different role. It's not my job to go find Giovanni Bernard and beat him up on the live postgame show. That is for the beat writers, the local media, ESPN, right. the NFL network that wants to go and uh, and find him. Go find Tom Brady after the game with the turnovers in the media room and ask them the tough questions. That's what they do. I'm just bringing it up on our podcast because it's all over the place, and I wanted your your input on the media trying to do a job and walking that line on how you how you handle players. And I will further say the classiest guys are the ones that want to stand there after defeats. Right. Yeah. 
because it's very easy after wins to stand there and gloat and soak it in and you're a hero. It's much tougher. I have much more respect for those that are going to stand there after defeats. And I often make deals with guys. Can I just tell you, I will say to a player, and I, I did this Sunday with one of the Buccaneer players. I said, hey, after the next win, I'm coming to you to talk to you about the win. He goes, deal. He looked at me and I said, thank you. You were class to stand here because I'm talking to him immediately after the game. So there you go. There's some of the dynamic. I pulled that yeah. back. Anything else you want to say in closing before I move on to one more thing and we're good? Well, I was just going to say, you know, I was uh, I mentioned TikTok before. A lot of younger athletes are going to go through there. People are building their brands. They don't really need the media. I saw an ad for Livy Dunn from LSU the other day. I mean, come on. When was the last time, other than Caitlin Ohashi, you ever even heard a college gymnast name and you see an ad for Libby Dunn with NIL and, and, and social media? I mean, there's you don't need, you know, you don't need a member of the media to decide I'm going to profile you. You can profile yourself and, and sure. become a big celebrity. I mean, it's just unbelievable the way that that is 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 working they now. all can i add to you yeah. they, they all have figured out i can be my own media i can do tom brady's exactly. podcast for example has far more revealing stuff than anything he says after the game in the press conference and he knows right. that by the way and he's getting paid for the podcast so he knows elaborating on monday with jim gray about the mm -hmm. interception or about how they blew the lead yeah. or about the thrilling victory elaborating on that podcast is worthwhile to him as you mentioned tiktok uh, Instagram, any any different social media platform. I don't know if it's that much Facebook anymore, Twitter. You can go on those platforms and you're immediately able to get your message out. Whoever you are, as a prominent player especially, you can get your message out either written or video or whatever you want to do. You don't need the media as much yeah. um, in that regard. So oh, it is an interesting dynamic. Yeah. I will say I don't want sports to be like politics and, and entertainment where people just get to walk around without ever having to take accountability for anything. And if you dare, like I've in, in, in it's so crazy in entertainment. These, these folks are so beyond, beyond help in entertainment, because now if you are critical of an actor's work, like you're critical of an actor's acting, sure. they'll, they, they'll retreat to their fainting couches or they, I mean, they or they block you, they blacklist you and they don't let you come around and ask questions anymore. Yeah. And I mean, I, I will tell you, I mean, I, I just can't I can't deal with the folks in entertainment anymore. I mean, they've become insufferable. And of course, the politicians are always insufferable. But so I, I don't want uh, athletes to be like that. But it is worth noting athletes are the only ones asked to put up with. Do reporters. You, it's it's yeah. a great point you've made. Do you remember the Sports Center ads? And I think they did it with Kenny Maine and maybe Stuart Scott and a couple of others where they mimicked going in to after yeah. the game at Dan Patrick about how they had botched that highlight and whatever. And they're getting various forms of undress the same way in the locker room about how they screwed up their sports center. It was that this is yeah. sports center ads where they and that's the other part too. on exactly what in, we're talking about. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to go out and say something that is unpopular to say, but it's reporters shouldn't be allowed in the locker room in my view. I, I think, you know, and, and part of the problem was that men were always allowed in. And so when people didn't want women in there, it was this sexist kind of thing, but the men should never have been allowed in there. That's kind of an inner sanctum. And I know you get the best quotes there, but I'm pretty sure you could get great quotes in the dressing room before a Broadway play too, but you're not allowed. <laughs> you're not allowed to go into the dressing room and go chat up Brian Cranston before he goes out and does his play or afterward. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I just, I, I, I'm kind of against it. And there is, there's a real sense of entitlement. I mean, first of all, when you have a confrontation with somebody and you put it up on the internet, you're the bad guy. You're the one that's taking that confrontation 
from something that was between two people to something that's now between two people and the rest of the world, right? So you're the bad guy in that situation, even if you're justified. Like when you elevate a confrontation from DMs or from, you know, a, a personal interaction and you put it out there for everybody, it's like, well, if it backfires on you, you kind of deserve it, honestly. And I mean, look, I, I haven't really gone into the reaction of everything in terms of, uh, you know, I'm sure Jenna Lane being a female reporter probably got a really a lot of really nasty stuff mm -hmm. that wasn't warranted. Let me let me just say, can we while we're on this? I'll say so. Pat McAfee has obviously elevated his status, carries a lot of weight figuratively right now. He was going on and on about this on his show. And two things, the record needs to be set straight. Number one, he's a former athlete, so he is biased to those that have been asked questions and don't like it and don't want reporters there. So that card's on the table. That should be out there. The second thing is, I'll use the word on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. He was ignorant and did not look into what happened. He's saying on his show that Bernard had already been grilled, had already been grilled at the point in time and asked the question, he even said this, at the point in time that we're seeing the video and they're going on and on with him. Not true. Not correct. Get your facts straight on that. They were waiting for him to get dressed. They wanted to ask him about the fake punt. He was trying to leave, and that's when you see the video roll that's out there and everywhere. They want the answer about the fake punt. Now, again, to your point, the argument about whether they should be in there or not can be had. They're allowed in there. They want the answer. So he's going on and on about they've already beaten him up, and he's and he wants to leave. They had not had a chance to ask him yet while he was trying to leave. We just need to make that distinction. So I'm going to name that name while, while we're there too. Um, and again, I have had a 30-year career of doing this in locker rooms. I can give you a list that's longer than Santa's list of athletes that have had problems. You have problems with them. They have problems with you. Most of the time it relates around, can I say it, immaturity. It relates around the inability to understand that other people have a job to do for a lot of them. And that's where things escalate. And that's on the athlete, by the way, who either doesn't care and or hasn't been trained and doesn't care that that these people have jobs to do. They have access. They have jobs to do. But in this yeah. case, good on Gio Bernard that he stood there finally after being coached and at least gave the answer. Wasn't much of an answer. And that was the end of that one. Yeah. You want to move on? Are you good? Or yeah, anything sure. else? Sure. One more. Here we go. Love it or leave it. You mentioned the Christmas tree waiting for it to be delivered. Do you have love it or leave it? Do you have any other Christmas tr uh, tradition that you love? We've covered movies before. We've covered foods. Anything else that you love in and around this time of year that has to happen? Whatever it is, I'll give the example. I've got to watch part or all of the Christmas story. The uh, you'll shoot your eye out kid with the BB gun. I got to watch that at least part of it. And you keep saying to me, you haven't watched that all the way through. You've no, not I've never, seen yeah. it all the way through. Nope. I've not seen it. I've Maybe not ever watched it. Um, so I, um, you know, I do have my American dad Christmas episodes, uh, Rapture's <laughs> Light, the one where uh, the world ends and uh, Stan teams up with uh, Jesus during the apocalypse <laughs> to fight the Antichrist. <laughs> Uh, and all the other Great American Dad Christmas episodes. They just did another one this year that, frankly, I didn't really think was that good. But uh, all the ones from the past years, the one with Lisa Kudrow as the ghost of Christmas past, uh, when Stan is trying to hunt down Jane Fonda in the 1970s and ends up shooting Reagan. 
<laughs> now I've got to check into this. I got to check yeah. into this and see it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so the American Dad Christmas episode, certainly I uh, enjoy my MST3K uh, and Rift Track Christmas uh, riffs that they've done over the years. Uh, Golden Girls Christmas episodes in two of them. Neither were particularly good, but it's always nice to watch the Golden Girls nonetheless. Sure. Uh, I got the Seinfeld Festivus episode. There you go. Uh, I used to watch the Hey Arnold Christmas. This is the one where Mr. Wynn uh, is lonely at Christmas time. Arnold looks into it, realizes Mr. Wynn gave up his baby daughter escaping from Vietnam, right? He gave, uh, you know, that famous image of the folks trying to. And they created that for their Christmas episode. And uh, so Arnold uh, and Gerald uh, somehow somehow managed to find Mr. Wynn's daughter. Because and it's a show. It's a show, Christmas. of course, and it's Christmas. They're nine. They're nine-year-olds, okay? Uh, there are no nine-year-olds anywhere in America who are capable of doing what Arnold and Gerald did that night, but hey, there you go. Uh, and that was the first season of you hey, do Arnold. You do realize that you're talking about that uh, for the younger demographic, they believe that the jolly old fat man with the beard is around and can get down everybody's chimney and back up all over well, the I globe. I never believed. I never believed same in that. I, I'm I never... just saying that it's out there. And the belief would be that the jolly old fat man can get up and down every chimney all over the world at the same time in the same night. So it's yeah. a it's a season of belief of suspending the of, of, of suspending the belief. We used to have to answer that in my house because my two are now older. They're 14 on how does Santa deliver all the presents in one night? Because he's really good. I don't know what else I could come up with because he's really fast. He's really efficient. Well, he's better than FedEx. He's yeah. better than UPS. We're having to come up with anything, John Lewis. Well, if if I ever uh, ask that question, I'll just say I bought the gifts They're for <laughs> me. You know, I worked hard <laughs> to be able to buy them for you. I'm not doing any of that Santa stuff or, oh. or any of that. All know? right, I think I think we'll wrap it there. We'll end it there. Anything else in closing? Uh, here before we're done, we covered a bunch. We covered a bunch from World Cup to the NFL uh, to even uh, what did you say? Hey, Arnold. And what yeah. was the other one where uh, Santa's fighting the Antichrist? What was That's that? American one? Dad. American okay, Dad. Good, good on that. Anything else or are we good? Uh, well, on the subject of Hey, Arnold, uh, I want another shot at uh, at interviewing Andy McAfee. Uh, so when I was 10, I had a website and uh, I got I booked Andy McAfee, the voice of Phoebe Heyerdahl, to do a live chat because it was 2000 or 1999 or something like that. And uh, I didn't do any preparation because I was 10. Yes. I didn't do any preparation at all. No good questions. And I told totally Andy and Andy understood you were 10. And I don't he... think she did. I don't <laughs> think she had any idea, but I want another shot now, you know, so, so much better at interviewing. So I don't know how we could work that into right. our sports. We'll look podcast. into that. We'll look into that and see if we can make she that was Phoebe Heyerdahl on that show. And she oh. was promoting Timo Supremo as well. That we, I never, I never watched Timo Supremo, which is amazing because I watched pretty much every single show at that time. But uh, that was what she was promoting. I didn't do any preparation because I, you were ten. Yeah, well, of course. Oh, a good way to end it. Hey, folks, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We thank you for finding us on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast feed. John Lewis, have a great weekend. I'm off to Arizona with the Buccaneers for that Sunday night NFL game. We'll see if my Bucks are still alive this week, next week to win the NFL, uh, the NFC South. We'll see if they're still alive when we talk next week. 
Have a great week. Have a great weekend. Thank you, John Lewis. Have a great Christmas. I mean, as great as you can have having to watch the Buccaneers uh, <laughs> Sunday night football against we, the Cardinals. Yes, we all we all have uh, what we have to do for Christmas week. Mine involves the desert of Arizona. Uh, thank you for finding us. Follow or subscribe to Sports Media Watch podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. For now, we're good. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Enjoy all the stuff. We're back next week. One more time in 2022 before the new year. Bye. Okay. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.